All right, it's January and that means New Year's resolution time. And today we're going to suggest loads of New Year's resolutions under four main themes. And they are spend less than you earn to build your wealth, learn to negotiate your tax bill, protect your most valuable asset and the essential NHS pension checks everyone needs to do. So we haven't done one of these episodes for a while where we basically go berserk and try and cram as many tips as we can into 30 minutes. So I think, you know, there's going to be a lot in here. And if you can just do one or two of these tips that we're going to mention, it is going to change your financial future in the long term. And if you can do all of these financial tips, give us an email because we are looking to recruit. The Medics Money podcast helps doctors, dentists and other professionals make better financial decisions. Hosted by myself, Dr. Tommy Perkins, a GP. And by me, Dr. Ed Cantelow, a GP, but also a chartered accountant and chartered tax advisor. This podcast is for general information only and does not constitute any form of advice and tax allowances and rates are subject to change. So the observant of you will notice that it's mid-January or late January. and We're doing our New Year's resolutions slightly later than planned because the nhs is absolutely ridiculous now right yeah it's absolutely crazy right now definitely yeah i mean it's actually pretty scary like acute care gp a and e totally out of control 15th winter in the nhs for me worst it's ever been yeah it's completely out of control at the moment definitely it, it's, it's gone like worse than i ever thought it would be so pretty scary i don't need to tell the podcast listeners that because they're all out there doing it with us as well but so uh, that's why we're slightly later than planned and if you are out there working Thanks so much for what you do. I've never known it this tough. So I don't know. Hang on in there. Yeah, that's all we can do really, you know, go um, through the winter. Yeah, what we can help you do is hopefully keep more of your hard-earned income and convert that into wealth, which can give you options in the future. So these tips that we're going to do, we're going high level, but then we're going to get right into the nitty gritty, okay? And tip number one might surprise a few people, but if I think, uh, if I had to give one to live by and nothing else it would be this one and that is spend less than you earn okay so it sounds really simple doesn't it spend less than you earn and the reason why it's important is because if you spend more than you earn then you'll get into debt and most likely that would be credit card debt high interest rate debt which is bad so you do not want to get into you know bad debt so Spending less than you earn is absolutely crucial. Once you spend less than you earn, you get a positive cash flow each month, spare money, and you can either use that to pay down bad debt or for other things like investing or even doing fun things that you like to do. Because we do allow that occasionally once you've invested and paid down your bad debt and done all the other stuff, right? Yeah, sometimes. Yeah, I mean, I do. once a year maybe. Okay, and the other thing to say is, again, staying the obvious to listeners of the podcast, but I think it's really important that we go through this. We are all being paid significantly less. We've been banging on about this for absolutely years. I think as well, lots more people have cottoned on to the idea that, you know, real terms pay cuts have been absolutely savage for doctors, at least 26% pay cut for juniors and at least 30% for consultants. So add in fiscal drag, which is where all the tax allowances have been frozen that you always go on about. And, you know, things are getting difficult. Okay. So you need to make each pound you earn go further and not waste money buying stuff that you do not need. And I'm listening to Atomic Habits by James Clear. I'm not sure. Have you read it? I've not, no. It's good. But basically the whole theme of it is that small changes will have remarkable results over time. Okay. So I'm going to give you one example of a tiny change, which could have remarkable results over time. But 
The other day, I was thinking, Warren Buffett, greatest investor ever in the history of the game, no doubt, and lots of quotes, lots of wisdom coming from him. We do not have enough Warren Buffett quotes on the podcast, so I'm going to throw one in there, and that is, do not save what is left after spending. Instead, spend what is left after saving. You know, wise words. That's how you become the most successful investor ever. I think he's got $85 billion. Nice if you can get it. Yeah, apparently he still lives in the same house. He's ever, only ever bought one house. Wow, nice. And, like his good self, in fact, I think he drinks full fat Coke, not diet Coke. That's what I'm going wrong, clearly. <laughs> Maybe I should get, get back into a not, full fat Coke. Not medical advice. Okay, so we're talking about spending, okay? So how much do you spend each month? Do you actually know? You might have a good idea how much you earn, but how much do you actually spend? Could you be spending £139,000 on lunch at the hospital. You're thinking, no way am I doing that. Just listen to this and then let you, you know, let yourself decide whoever you are. So let's just take the case study of poor James. James, cardiology registrar, gets beaten on this podcast. He was spending £200 a month, so roughly £9 per day on lunch at the hospital. He was super busy, didn't have time to make lunch, okay? So if he could reduce that £200 a month spending down to £34 a month, or roughly £1.50 a day, how much would he save over a typical 30-year career? So you're really good at doing maths in your head like I am, and I'm just doing it in my head right now. And you would come up with 166 saved, multiplied by 12 months, multiplied by 30 years, which is, of course, £59,760. Here's one I worked out earlier on a calculator. Okay, so you think, okay, I've saved £59,760. Not too shabby, okay. But, and this is where I'm going into, you know, why spending less than you earn is so important. If you took that £59,760 and invested it, okay, and assume an annual return of 5% on that income, very conservative return historically, okay, but let's just say 5%, you could turn that £59,760 worth of rubbish hospital food into £139,680 over the long term, okay? so. Small amounts of spending add up. If you did this across your entire spending, you could save yourself a ton of money. I don't like to say never, ever, but I am going to say I've never had a hospital lunch that was worth £139,680. Like me neither. All right. So now you're worried. You don't know how much you're spending each month and you're thinking, oh my goodness, I might be spending £139,000 on lunch in the hospital. What do I need to do about it? Okay, so here's New Year's resolution number one, and that is to do a spending audit. Oh my goodness, two most boring words in finance there ever, audit and spending. But you need to sit down with your last three months bank statements and have a really good look at them, okay? And just have a look at it. And I like to split it out. So non-discretionary, gas, rent, etc. And then discretionary spending is, you know, what we're going to say, like extra luxury, like lunch at the hospital, if that's to be called a luxury. Netflix subscriptions. That Netflix. Sort of stuff. Yeah. Exactly. I've actually cancelled Netflix. Interesting. Yeah. What about The Crown? No, not into it. Fair enough. There was just on there that I wanted to watch and instead of watching CBBS with like amazing stuff like what's that bodies program with those two doctors what are they call you don't watch CBBS I don't have kids okay everyone else knows what I'm talking about I just can't remember the name it's called like bodies program anyway they watch good stuff on CBBS and they just watch rubbish on Netflix so I was like right Netflix is gone fair enough if I compound that saving over thirty years I'll probably have have some oh, yeah. thousand pounds in thirty years time and some very annoyed children. Gone way off topic here. So get your spending audit going, okay? You're splitting it out into non-discretionary and then discretionary, which is, as Ed said, Netflix and other such luxuries. 
So going back to discretionary, if you are on a mortgage, are you on the best deal? Okay. If you're buying insurance, is it the best insurance for you? If you've got an energy bill, have you renegotiated it? Okay. Are you just rolled over onto your broadband contract and they're absolutely rinsing you? Or have you renewed the contract and they give you a new deal? Do you need to switch any providers? Okay. Your boiler doesn't know if it's burning the most expensive gas or the cheapest gas on the market. It all burns the same. Okay. So just have a look at that non-discretionary spending. And then discretionary is a lot harder, in my opinion, because you've got to make difficult choices. And if you've got a family, I said I cancelled Netflix. We had our family meeting where we talked about what we should you know, cut back on and whether we should cancel Netflix. And both myself and Joe voted to cancel Netflix. All three children voted not to, but luckily parents' votes count for double. So it was four to three. Good way of doing things. Yeah, it's very, very fair. Yeah, yeah, kind of democratic. Exactly. It's not a dictatorship in this house. But in all seriousness, if you have got to make cutbacks and you are a family, talk about it as a family. And then once everyone's on board with what you need to cut back and why, it just makes it so much easier. And actually, no one's missed Netflix. So, and if I could just share your password, right? Because that's totally... Let's not go there. But also, I just want to put out, we've got to mention Netflix. Obviously, there are other subscription providers that you can cancel if you so wish. You can just focus on Netflix. What do you mean? It's Amazon Prime. Oh, yeah. Okay. Like Disney Plus, whatever, HBO. Oh, okay. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All these things. Yeah. We're not sponsored by Netflix. Definitely not now. Yeah. Okay. And then once you've done that, I think another little trick is just get into the habit. So you've got that. You've trimmed down your expenses. You've got some free money. Okay. If you just leave that money sat in your account, chances are you're going to spend it. Okay. Don't spend it. You're going to do something good with it. Invest or pay off bad debt or uncancel Netflix. But. Anyway, what you need to do is use something called pay yourself first. And like, I'm a massive fan of this. I introduce you to it. You love pay yourself first. Yeah, definitely. It's pretty good. It just makes it automatic. Okay. So every month automatically a set amount comes out of my account. Okay. And it goes in towards my investments. Okay. And it's a direct debit. I just do it every month automatically. And once you've been doing that for a while and your budget is okay, you're spending less than you earn. You just don't really notice it and it just becomes automatic. So pay yourself first, have a quick Google of it. I love it. It's just a super simple way of learning it. Okay, so that was New Year's resolution number one. Hopefully you got something from that. You'll be relieved to hear that Ed is about to tell you. What are you going to tell us, mate? So I thought we'd talk about how you can learn to navigate or as Tommy would it, negotiate your tax bill. Make sure that you're paying the right amount of tax because Given the cost of living crisis, the real terms, pay cuts that we've been facing, etc., you know, it's really important to make sure that your tax bill is correct because it's very easy to end up overpaying your income tax and national insurance contributions and accidentally costing yourself money because it's quite rare for anyone to say to you, like HMRC, oh, look at this, Dr. Blogs, you've overspent on your tax, you need to do this to cut it down. So we will go through some things you should be doing or could be doing in 2023 to try and help get that tax bill right. And starting with an old favourite at Medics Money, it's really key to make a claim for all allowable employment expenses against your employment income. And if you're self-employed, likewise, you need to make sure that you're making the maximum claim you can against your trading profits to bring those down and bring down your income tax bill. So everyone listening to this podcast, they should be claiming their GMC fee, their indemnity insurance, the BMA fee, if that's applicable to you and any Royal College fees as well. And that includes any of those expensive exams that you pay for as part of a junior doctor training contract. Okay. And you can also claim for the current tax year and the last four tax years if you haven't claimed already. So currently you can claim for 
all those expenses that you've incurred from the 6th of April 2018 up to today's date. After the 5th of April 2023, you won't be able to claim your expenses from the 6th of April 2018 to the 5th of April 2019. Okay, that tax year will fall away. So make sure you do that ASAP if you haven't already or else you're going to lose your chance. Okay. And if you want to know more, there's loads of information on our website. I think we're going to be posting links somewhere over. Yep. I'll leave that up to Tommy. But yeah, so make sure you claim everything you can. Okay. Maximize expenses, get that tax back. Okay. Secondly, keep an eye on your tax code. Someone else I've gone about quite a lot. If you changed trusts last August or if at any point, you may be in the unhappy situation of having an emergency tax code applied to your income. So if you see a D0 or a 0T tax code on your main employer payslip, then you're going to be overpaying tax and you need to get that sorted to get that money back or it's going to be costing you a lot of money, okay? If you see a BR tax code, then that usually means that you're potentially underpaying tax, okay? So it does go both ways. But certainly HMRC have this strange concept that when we move jobs in a certain month, let's say August, they think we're doing two jobs and they'll put one of the payslips, usually your main one, onto an emergency tax code, okay? So if you haven't looked at your tax code, you don't know what I'm talking about, go to our website, get some resources, check your payslip for December and work out what's happened there. Are you on the right tax code or not? That's really key. Okay. So another problem for those of you who have more than one employer in a tax year, especially if you, for example, you locum for multiple trusts is national insurance, okay? Again, it can be anyway, easy to overpay national insurance contributions because the rates should be applied to your total income over all jobs. But if you've got more than one employer, they may apply the national insurance rates in isolation and that may cause you to be paying higher national insurance contributions. Okay, so if you can in 2023, and I fully appreciate that it's not a very interesting subject. Tommy finds it very boring. I don't, but I'm, you know, that way inclined. The key is make sure you keep an eye on your national insurance contributions, okay? Don't overpay them if you can help it, all right? Another thing you might want to consider in 2023 is if there is scope and also if it's appropriate to trade via a limited company. Now, this might be particularly interesting for those of a private practice or thinking about private practice, those who are GP locums. I mean, note that it's not the kind of panacea that a lot of people think it is or that it once was, okay? A lot of people have this romanticized notion that setting up a company is going to solve loads of problems. It may heavy emphasis on the word may help you save your tax bill a little bit but you need to really make sure that it applies to your personal circumstances especially with the increase in corporation tax coming april this year but for more information definitely think about checking out our podcast 119 with mazars to see if you would benefit from setting up a limited company because if it is right for you then it could definitely save you some tax and of course that would be very helpful right now yeah i think it's one of those things where it's great to claim your own tax rebate, check your own tax code, check your own national insurance. But I think if you are thinking about setting up a limited company, you just need to get expert advice from yeah. the accountant really. Yeah, definitely. Have a you know an initial think about whether it might be the right thing for you. Yeah. Have a think about the general pros and cons. And then if you are interested, get some advice, definitely. Also got a great video on our YouTube about limited companies where we actually break down with a beautiful spreadsheet the take-home difference between self-employed, limited, etc. So it's really good. Yeah, that was with RBP, I think. Yeah. RBP, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, it was really good. Definitely check that out, guys. Okay. One other thing I wanted to mention is to make sure that you know the marginal rate of taxation on the next pound that you're going to earn, okay? Because... 
Earning the extra pound may have unexpected and unwanted consequences, okay? So many of you will know that if you earn, say, £100,000 and then start to earn extra income, you will begin to lose your personal allowance. And that leads to a marginal rate, the rate at which you pay tax on the extra pound, of 60%, not 40 as you would expect. And that, of course, ignores pension contributions, student loan repayments, national insurance contributions, all these things that make it worse, okay? Key here, guys, is just to think about, think about, you know, future planning, basically. If you're going to be offered that extra locum shift, just think about what your tax bill is going to be if you take that money, okay? We're not trying to stop anyone from doing extra work. You know, obviously, extra money is useful, very useful, but just think about what your tax rate will be because it may not be what you think it's going to be, okay? Another example, in families where the highest earners income is between 50,270 and 60,000 pounds, then any pay rise comes at the cost of potentially having to repay any child benefit claims, okay? And it's been recently documented that the marginal rates of an increase in salary by one pound for that higher earner would be 55% if you've got one child, 63% if you've got two children, and 71% for three children due to the amounts lost, okay? So quite significant tax rates marginal tax rates there okay and if that's not scary enough then recent analysis has been done by the resolution foundation which has found that for some families earning between 50,000 and 60,000 they may end up with a marginal tax rate as high as 96 percent or even 97 percent if you're in scotland so definitely worth looking into that and we've got loads of resources on that okay guys you know we've got i think podcast 112 where we talk about not getting stung by the marginal rate tax trap so yeah have a think about that also did a, one of our most popular Instagram posts, we've just joined Instagram, was about the marginal tax trap and TikTok. I still don't understand it, but we've gone over a quarter of a million views and the marginal weight one was super popular. TikTok is very random. Yeah, uh, yeah. and it is a really important concept to get your heads around if you can. So maybe that could be another thing to do in 2023, just try and work out, understand what the marginal tax rate is going to be for you if you get that extra pound of income. Yeah, and I think it just makes no sense. Like, we are very pro-taxation because it pays for everything that we need, including ourselves, our own wages, doctors, nurses, etc. But these, some of these marginal rates are absolutely outrageous. And it's fine if you want to go to work and have a marginal tax rate of 97%, i.e. you earn one pound and you take three pence of that home. Yeah, That's cool if you love your work. But we're just about trying to get you to make an informed decision. Yeah. And this doesn't affect everyone. It just affects a few sort of edge cases actually quite a few people actually but it's just the marginal rates are crazy and there's lots of extra work doing in the nhs we get that but just have a think about how it would affect you because there are some unintended consequences i mean just one last thing about that paper by the resolution foundation is they actually have an example in that paper of someone who earns fifty thousand pounds claiming child benefit and universal credit which i appreciate won't apply to many of us here if you imagine a situation where they'd get a ten thousand pound pay increase they would only keep i think it was something like 400 pounds of it based on what happens at their marginal rate. So yeah, scary stuff. Just have a think about what it, you know, what your marginal rate is. Definitely. Especially if you're thinking about doing extra work. Okay. Just have a look at that. Okay. So hopefully you got some new year's resolutions there. And again, I'm not saying you should do all of that. I'm just thinking, you know, just apply it to your circumstances. If you haven't claimed your tax rebate, get that sorted. If you haven't looked at your national insurance, just choose that one thing. If you're a higher earner, maybe you're consulting with private practice, you should have a think about the limited company thing. So just try to get the most tailored tip for your situation because it's not realistic to do all of this stuff. We've also got quite a lot of other stuff to do 
in the NHS, which is why this New Year's podcast is actually coming out probably in February. <laughs> that is what it is. Joke, but... Yeah, yeah. Okay, so theme number three is to protect your main asset, and that is yourself. You are a very valuable asset. You earn money, which supports you and or your family. So if you got sick and you couldn't work, how would you pay your bills? Okay, and unlike physiological fitness, which generally worsens as our patients get older, your financial fitness hopefully gets better as you get older and build up reserves. So this is why, especially if you're young, it's really important to have a look at this protection because when you're young, your financial fitness is not great. You've probably got a ton of student loan debt and are earning ridiculously low wages as a junior doctor, okay? But then as you get older, your financial fitness improves. So like many things in finance, starting to build up your financial fitness when you're young is really important. And given that we're doctors, unfortunately, spend our working lives surrounded by people with patients with life-changing diagnosis, it always amazes me how many doctors have absolutely no insurance at all. I mean, sometimes I think doctors maybe think it won't happen to them. Perhaps they think that the NHS sick pay will cover you. And if that is your plan for the NHS sick pay to cover you, do you even know how much sick pay you're entitled to? And could you be one of the groups of doctors, such as some locums and some self-employed doctors, who might not be entitled to any sick pay at all? Okay, so quick recap on NHS sick pay. Assuming standard terms and conditions, check your contract. This is not advice. Disclaimer inserted. Are you happy with that disclaimer? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Pretty comprehensive. For the first five years as a doctor, okay, the sick pay accrues. So in your first year as a doctor, typically you get one month full pay of sick pay and two months half pay, okay? And it just builds up after five years as a doctor, you get the maximum benefit that the NHS provides anyone, which is six months full pay, six months half pay. And as I said, GPs, locum doctors, locum GPs, you need to just have a look because your benefits may vary and most of you won't get any sick pay at all, okay? Also, one thing that I see quite a lot is someone goes for their fellowship year abroad. Depending on the terms of that contract, when you come back, you might reset your sick pay. So a friend of mine was been in the NHS like 15 years, went for a fellowship year, came back next year later, sick pay reset to as if they just started F1 again. So one month's quite harsh. Yeah, it's just how it is. So just have a look at that, okay? And so just try to think about if things go wrong, how can you protect yourself and continue to be okay, okay? And another way that you can do, well, there's insurances, okay? I'm going to talk about that in a minute. But before that, again, this is such a basic thing. I think everybody listening to this could do this as a new organization. And if national insurance is my favorite topic to listen to you speak about, your favorite topic to hear me speak about is? Well, emergency funds. But it's very important. I just was staring at my cats at that time when you talked about it. So you won't even forget that. Yeah, I think you were basically asleep. But an emergency fund is really simple. It's just an instantly accessible cash reserve that's sufficient to cover your living expenses for a defined period. And that defined period that how much you have depends on your personal circumstances. Okay, so if you're employed by the NHS on a permanent contract with all that sick pay that I just mentioned, you might just choose to have a three months of your outgoings. Okay, not your income just your outgoings and saved up, okay? But like when I was a locum doctor, self-employed, I had a young family, lots of dependents, okay? I had about a nine month emergency fund in place because my employment and sick pay was different. So just think about that there. And the emergency fund is so simple. And if you need to save it up, just use that technique that I spoke to you about earlier. So do a spending audit, discretionary, non-discretionary, chop some stuff out, use pay yourself first to stash that money each month automatically into a separate account and bam, 
that's your emergency fund built up. Absolutely vital. I can't think of any reason why anyone listening to this doesn't need an emergency fund unless they're a billionaire. Do you think billionaires? Well, I guess they do have an emergency fund. I bet they do. Yeah, absolutely. I reckon Elon needs an emergency fund. I think he's lost a hundred billion of his net worth at this year. And it's like, cause why was that? Cause Tesla or the, or that, or the Twitter disaster. All of that and more. Yeah. I think he lost a lot of his net worth tied up in Tesla stock because he was not doing so well. And uh, yeah, Twitter cost him 44 billion. I think he's the first person ever to lose a hundred billion dollars. That's what an achievement. Yeah. I mean, it's going to happen to anyone. It's that guy. He's just like all or nothing. He's either, either the rocket launches and it's an amazing success or it blows up. You know, he could go to zero. Massive tangent. Watch this space. <laughs> No, I just think he's high risk, you know, he just takes on like ridiculously risky projects and he's either going to become a double billionaire or go to zero. At which point he definitely want an emergency fund. Yeah, exactly. Then he'll be like, oh, I should listen to that podcast and go on an emergency fund and just spend my time launching rockets. <laughs> How do we get into this? I don't know. What are we talking about? Insurance. Uh, insurance. Okay. Excellent. So you're going to protect yourself against disaster. You've got your emergency fund sorted. You've checked your sick pay and you're happy with that. Okay. So. You could think about getting insurance. Everybody listening to this, in my opinion, needs to at least consider getting some kind of insurance. And they basically boil down into three main things. Income protection insurance, which pays you an amount of money if you can't work, okay? Critical illness insurance, which pays you an amount, a defined amount, one-off amount usually, if you get a list of predefined critical illnesses. And life insurance, which basically pays you an amount if you die prematurely. And what policies and insurances you need depend on your individual circumstances okay so i couldn't afford my bills and to look after my family if i couldn't work so i have income protection and if i die i want to know that my family are protected so i've got life insurance and i you've got income yeah going income protection because i think if i even if i die i'm sure my cats will be fine so yeah so you sorry wait you haven't you just got life no i've got income protection and have life insurance Cover your mortgage. Yeah. Okay. So now you understand what it does, but there's also something that you need to know before you go out shopping for any kind of insurance. And that is that there's two types of financial advisors. Okay. So generally you would get your insurance from a financial advisor and there are two types. There's independent financial advisors and independent financial advisors can advise you on any product from the whole market. Okay. So they will search the whole market and get the best insurance for you. Okay. And on Medics Money, we only use independent financial advisors and they all specialize in medics. Okay. Now, there's also something called restricted financial advisor. And as the name suggests, restricted financial advisors can only search a limited section of the market. So you may not get the best deal. And slightly annoyingly, restricted advisors, for some strange reason, don't tend to advertise the fact too well that they are restricted. Okay. So this really annoyed us and probably was one of the main reasons that we felt compelled to start Medics Money, okay? And that is to connect our colleagues, you doctors, with the best independent, not restricted, independent financial advisors that specialize in doctors. And so we can just match your unique circumstances to the best advisor for you. Over 10,000 doctors now have done this, which makes me feel really happy because there's loads of doctors wandering around out there who had no insurance and were in blissful ignorance, shall we say, if that's too impolite, and now do have insurance. And if they get ill, then them and their family are going to be sorted. So I just love that. But it's so important. It's really good that people are, the message is getting out there. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think just that independent versus restricted thing is massive. Most restricted advisors don't tell you they're restricted and you can make your own mind up as to why they don't do that. Final thing is 
I saved the easy bit for last here. I've put understand your NHS pension. Okay, so I think this needs to be on everyone's New Year's resolutions. And unfortunately, the NHS pension is really complicated. So what is the best investment that you could make? Property, Bitcoin, Tesla stock? Not this year. Not if you're Elon. Twitter stock? You can't buy Twitter stock anymore, can you? Because he's, no, he's made it private, yeah. So, okay. So none of that is the best investment that you can make. Not financial advice, but in our opinion. The best investment you can make is your NHS pension. It will pay you an inflation-proof, Elon-proof income for life once you've served your time in NHS custody, of course. I'm not going to go into detail about the NHS pension today. You will be relieved to hear. But I just want to go through some really simple things that everybody could do right now just to get yourself started. Because sometimes, again, going back to Atomic Habits, my new favorite book, Getting the habit started is the hardest bit. So I'm going to make it insanely easy for you to sort out your NHS pension, okay? And I'm looking at a nice little fact sheet that we've made, which is about how to sort out your pension. And I tried to put it in the show notes, but it came around on your emails a little while ago as well. So have a look at that. But number one thing everyone needs to do, get a total reward statement, okay? So we just need to do that every year. Go to totalrewardstatements.nhs.uk and download your total reward statement and keep it safe. You need to do that every single year because they update the statement every year and you can't access the previous year's statements. Now that is absolutely bonkers NHS IT in action. Why can they not just keep the previous year's statement on there? Yes, it's weird. I think if you can get some updated in December as well, so I said that excellent time to go and get it. Literally the perfect time to do it right now. Exactly right. I think they just ran the update. Okay, so everybody do that. Okay. Second thing, we're talking about this a lot today. I don't know why, but if you die, who gets your NHS pension benefits? Okay. Now, if you don't know, all you need to do is go to this link that I'm going to put in the show notes and complete the death benefits nomination form. Okay. Super simple, super easy, no problem at all. Okay. So that's just two really simple things that everybody, whatever they're, whether they're a, a brand new F1 or, you know, a consultant of 30 years needs to do that. Okay. If you are a junior doctor, you can probably stop now and sit back and don't need to do these next bits. But if you are a consultant, a GP or other senior doctor it's not so simple and you need to consider these further checks. Okay. So the next thing to get is what's called an annual allowance and service pay extract. And you're thinking. I have never heard of that. That well, is this some kind of new thing? Yes, it is. It is actually brand new. And we've been working with NHS pensions behind the scenes for a long time. They are trying, doing their best that they can. And this is something that is really useful. Okay, it's a brand new thing. It comes really quickly, unlike an actual pension savings statement. Okay, so I've put the links how to get this, but you can just call them on 0300 346. And ask them for it, or you can email them at nhsbsa.pensionsmember at nhsbsa.nhs.uk. And you're asking for an annual allowance and service and pay extract. You'll need your name, your date of birth, your address, and your SD number, which is your pensions number. And usually you can find the SD pensions number on your, there's on some pay slips on ESR. I mean, I'm so old, I've never been on ESR, but they tell me it's on there. And is also on any previous pensions documentation that you've had from them. Okay, so that's a new thing that you need to do. If you have any service in the 95 and 2008 scheme, nice. You need to check that's accurate by requesting what's called a membership statement request. And again, the link is here. Okay, so just get that done if you have any 95, 2008 service because you're old like me. Final thing, I think if you're a higher earner, then you have to seriously consider requesting a pension savings statement. We've talked about these in detail. I'm not going to go over it again because you all know about it now, hopefully. But just to say, 
They should be sent to you automatically if you breach the annual allowance, but often they're not because for various reasons. So you just need to take the initiative here and request a pension saving statement, sometimes called an annual allowance statement. And again, you just email. It's different depending on which nation you're in. It's different. So I'll put the, all the links. It's going to be the longest show notes ever. They're all in the show notes, but also we send these around on our email list all the time. Okay. So our email listeners are nodding going, yep, done all this. Thanks very much. If you're not on our email list, easiest way to get on the email list is to download our ebook, medicsmoney.co.uk forward slash ebook. And you'll start to get on our email list of over 39,000 doctors now. And that's where we put a lot of our really good detailed stuff on there. Okay. Final thing, again, sounding like a broken record, but if you need help with your pension, where can you get advice? Because it is so complicated now. And unfortunately, very few non-expert advisors, whether they be accountants or financial advisors, understand the NHS properly. And again, that's exactly why we built Medics Money. We have the best specialist medical accountants and the best specialist independent financial advisors in the business. And you hear them on this podcast regularly. And we've matched over 10,000 doctors now. Okay. So again, if you need pensions help, we've built Medics Money to be the definitive place to get that help. And we're working with the best experts out there. And I am just loving it so much to know that we've helped so many of our colleagues with these ridiculously, stupidly, this is just stupidly complicated, the pension now. Byzantine, it should not be this complicated. But if you do need help with it, Medics Money is the best place. And over 10,000 of you have done that now. Mate, I think that could be it. That was a lot of tips, but four main themes, which were spend less than you earn, learn to negotiate your tax bill, get your pension sorted, and think about protecting your most valuable asset. You got any New Year's resolutions that you want to share with everyone? I think very, and I just add another thing into all this. Bonus tip, hold on. Bonus tip, well, for those well, of you who listened right to the end, it's going to be amazing. I mean, if it the... mentions national insurance, I'm going to cry. No national insurance, but just, just think about if you have the, if you can, and bear in mind that we have been talking about cost of living crisis, et cetera, et cetera, but if you can try this next tax year, at least starting in 6th of April to maximize your ISA allowances as best you can, because as I'm sure a lot of you will be aware from our previous podcasts and videos, they're making the dividend allowances less generous and the capital gains allowances less generous. So keep your income as tax-free as possible and as capital gains tax-free as possible with those ISAs. Mate, that is a great tip. Okay. I don't really have any financial New Year's resolutions because, I mean, no one is perfect. Definitely not me, but I got all of this ticked off. So, you know, I'm happy with that. My finances are pretty boring. They just tick along in a really boring way, which is, I like boring. But I have got a non-financial resolution. It's so cliche as well. I actually started it before the New Year, so don't judge me. But I've finally joined the gym. Right, very good. Yeah, I mean, like in the summer, I stay quite fit, like cycling and paddleboarding and kite surfing and stuff. And then every winter, it gets dark, rainy and horrible, and I just fall to bits. And then in the April, I just have to start from scratch. So this winter in November, I joined this gym. I was there at 6.15 this morning. Well, word. And I got up a bit late and I didn't have a coffee in time. But I didn't need it, you know. I was high on endorphins of basically pain. Pretty sure I still need the coffee after the endorphins. But... <laughs> so that's what I'm doing. You got any New Year's resolutions? My big goal for 2023 is for any of you who've listened to the, the little mini podcast, the YouTube video we did, is to pay off my help to buy a loan, which if you've listened to that, you'll know could be costing me a huge amount of interest unless I pay it off for this year. So that is my goal is to finally get that sorted out. I think that's worth a listen. If you have got help to buy, I was really shocked by that. So it's on our YouTube. I think it's called something like, you know, what does Ed think of help to buy, which isn't quite what it's about. It's actually about Ed's 
help to buy a forthcoming disaster, to be honest. So, because you can't actually get help to buy now. I think it finished in October, potentially. But if you have got help to buy, have a listen. Or if you just want to have a general, if you're interested to know what on earth that bad decision was, just have a listen to. It's short and sweet, that one as well. So, okay, brilliant. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks, guys. Really appreciate it. We just gone over half a million downloads. We started this podcast because we wanted to educate you, our colleagues, about finances and nobody else was doing education. So we started super small in my garage. It was freezing. It was horrible. And we had about 10 listeners. Now we're going over half a million downloads. And we've got a YouTube and the TikTok and all that. But the only reason that's happened is because people like you have shared this with your colleagues, found it useful. So if you know anyone that could do with some financial New Year's resolutions to share this podcast with them. And we can all work together. We can overcome some of the challenges that profession have, but significant challenges remain if my experience in the NHS over the last three to four weeks is anything to go by. But let's not dwell on that incredibly. I don't, I'm actually a bit sad about it because, yeah, I don't want to talk about it. Yeah. But anyway. Let's just say Happy New Year to everyone and I hope you enjoyed the podcast. So Absolutely. Take care. Have a great day wherever you're on the way to. Cheers. Bye. Thank you.